Hi, this is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, new ideas and science, sometimes even a little glimpse into the future. And today, uh, here with uh, an investment we just made uh, with uh, Martin Stubler from uh, uh, Biofluff. Um, uh, great to see you and excited to be investors in the company. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. Yes, my name is Martin Stubler. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Biofluff, and it's exciting to be here. So um, that's sort of a slightly Germanic accent, but you're not slightly Germanic right now. You're pretty near me, I think, in San Francisco, yes? That's correct. Um, so, I was born in Austria, so it's a German accent. You caught that well. But yeah, I'm in SF right now. And how'd you get from there to here? And why'd you get from there? Uh, to hear? Well, it's, first of all, how did I get from there to here? It's probably um, because it's a very good place to build a company. So I founded the company Biofluff in Italy and Spain earlier last year. It's almost one and a half years now, so it's it's been a, a long time. But I decided to move the entire company, first of all, to incorporate here in the US and then to move closer to a, a startup hub like the Bay Area to have the connections and the friends that you need along the way for such a project. So um, so let's explain to everybody, uh, uh, you're here, you're in Silicon Valley now with a company called Biofluff. So what does it do? What is Biofluff? Biofluff is developing the first completely plant-based fur as a replacement material for animal and plastic fur. Got it. So it's probably worth noting to folks, there is faw fur. There's been faw fur for a while, but that faw fur is actually essentially another surprising form of petroleum if you kind of strip it away, right? Yeah, that's correct, Mike. So we have faux fur for almost five decades now, and it's always 100% plastic-based. So it's 100% petroleum-based, and one or another derivative of polyester fibers or acrylic fibers. Right. So instead of hurting animals, you're hurting the planet by using materials that uh, have all the issues that uh, uh, petrochemicals have. So uh, how are you doing it then? If you're not using plastic and you're not using fur from animals, what are you doing? We are developing a plant fiber-based substitute and we're drawing here heavily from different existing industries. For example, one of our core tenants is fiber science and fiber augmentation, which we are conducting on naturally existing plant fibers. So we don't need to extrude fibers like it's common practice for synthetic fibers, but we are isolating and purifying existing plant fibers from a plant I cannot disclose right now, unfortunately. But these fibers, perform in a very similar manner to existing animal hair. So keratin-based animal hair has specific geometry, length, and properties. And we're able to replicate all these properties with our plant fibers. Got it. And you're holding back the name of the plant because essentially it's a trade secret. And you've looked at, uh, I know from our conversations, a lot of plants and what they offer and what science may be able to do to improve and augment them. And you think you found one that really is kind of uh, stunning uh, for doing this. But would I be right in 
giving folks a mental picture of sometimes you open up plants or weeds and there are little fibers inside. If you pull a plant apart, there are fibers inside. And uh, if you think about all those fibers, not just taking them as nature delivers them, but using them as a starting point, you can produce some pretty incredible effects. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, so, uh, you know, some of these are uh, kind of leading questions because we've talked and we've invested, so I kind of know the answers. But for folks that aren't us, are you working to emulate any particular animal? Are you working to, you know, to create any particular kind of fur? Uh, or is this the benefit here that you can create a lot of different kinds of outcomes depending upon uh, different customers and different uh, needs and requirements? Mm -hmm. The BioFluff platform is modular and flexible. So whatever animal, let's say, fur is most in need at our client's location, we are able to replicate this particular animal fur with our plant fibers. When we're looking at the fur market in general, the three biggest types of fur that are currently sold for fashion are mink fur, fox fur, and raccoon fur. So these are, of course, also our three um, top three when it comes to replicating animal fur. But we could as well replicate chinchilla fur, bunny fur, any other type of um, regular fur animal. Got it. So you have this process that can start with plants and produce essentially whatever kind of fur that uh, a customer requires uh, without petroleum, without hurting animals. So who are the customers? Uh, you mentioned fashion a couple of times. So is this high fashion, low fashion, uh, uh, any kind of uh, fashion? Uh, where do you uh, plan to uh, start and where do you plan to go? Excellent question. Um, we're following here a template that has proven to be successful for biomaterials companies, um, which means the new biomaterial is usually brought to high fashion clients first. And once established in the high, uh, high fashion sector, it trickles down into, let's say, high fashion and then regular fashion over time. Of course, decreasing the price point, but it's important to start at the top. And that's what we're doing at BioFluff. So uh, can you, do you have specific customers yet you can talk about? Um, is this the kind of thing we'll see at New York or Paris Fashion Week? Will we see Heidi Klum stomping around in uh, BioFluff soon? Or uh, uh, what uh, are your uh, actions right now or your plans? Unfortunately, we cannot disclose the clients we're working with right now, but I can I can share at this point that we have signed um, NDAs and MTAs, so non-disclosure agreements and material transfer agreements with about one dozen European high fashion clients, most of them based in Paris, some based in Milan, and a few less based in London. Got it. So the kinds of folks you'd imagine if you were thinking high fashion and the places you'd imagine, given that that high fashion folks are in London or Paris or particularly Milan, why aren't you in Paris or Milan right now? Or do you have team members in Paris or Milan because they're not here? I mean, uh, the tech communities here and maybe investor communities here, but Lord knows Silicon Valley is not the peak, uh, the pinnacle of fashion. That's, that's correct, Mike. Um, we see ourselves not as a fashion brand, but as a biomaterials company. So our core tenants is technology. 
the way we treat our fibers, the way we augment, the way we purify and prepare them to be the highest quality product. That's our secret sauce. We have, of course, also team members in Paris, in Milan, that are working for us on site on the manufacturing aspects or on the client relationships. But we really want to focus on product. That's the reason why we're here, because there are brilliant people here and it's a good place to create technology. Got it. So um, you talk about the product and the plants with a, a, a sense of depth of knowledge. So uh, how did you come to decide this, of all things you might want to do with your time and talents, was the right one for you and for the market? And, and how sort of formally and long did you prepare yourself for this? So is this you know, the dream of your childhood, or is this something you came upon in college or after college? How did you come to decide and uh, prepare yourself to uh, start Bioflow? That's a hard one. I do not really remember how far back my love for plants dates, but I do remember that my undergrad studies were focused around organic farming and food processing, so food science. And I added a couple of, um, let's say, graduate degrees to this, these two undergrads, including um, plant-based bioeconomics and plant-based biotechnology and chemical engineering. So a lot of the, the work I've done over the past decade was centered around plants and around how to most efficiently and effectively use different aspects of plants, no matter if it's a protein or a fiber, a structure or a function that a plant fulfills for us humans. Got it. And and so um, when did you start the company and uh, uh, how long ago and what were the circumstances that caused you to say, that's it, I'm going all in on this now? <laughs> Biofluff was, is a COVID company. So during huh. summer of 2021, I, I kind of got locked down in a very small mountain town in northern Spain, Catalonia where I was working for my previous company with fashion clients. We were producing a mycelium leather as an alternative to animal leather. Mm -hmm. And with this, with this environment, I was basically locked up in a very, very small mountain town, nothing to do. We had in total more than 12 weeks of complete lockdown in Spain. Mm. And during this time, I just started to think, what are other challenges? I worked with all these tanneries. And I saw them process animal leather, but also process animal fur in a high quantity that I was really surprised about. So I thought to myself, what's, is there no better solution? I mean, we got the mycelium leather as a replacement for animal or cowhide. Um, is there any organic or biological replacement for fur? I did what every good scientist does. I Googled it and it turned out that there's only plastic replacements. And I kind of recognized the pattern when we came to like real leather and fake leather. It was also a historical step where leather would be replaced with plastic leather at one point. And then after several decades, the plastic leather is now replaced with more innovative materials. There are in total over 60 companies worldwide that are working on some kind of organic or more organic leather replacement material. And I thought to myself, well, if leather is, let's say, the first wave of biomaterials because it's big number and big money, then the second wave 
would be probably fur. And I saw the pattern and jumped on it. Got it. Really, really um, interesting. So do you think as this plays out, are you going to become a fashion geyser? You're a scientist by background, but uh, if we get together a year or two from now, are you going to be like all tricked out and incredibly cool? I've seen this happen to others, you know, where they uh, they make a new methodology for movies and then I meet them two years later and they're part of the movie scene and they have just gotten way cool and they're everywhere to eat in Hollywood and stuff. Do you think that's going to happen to you? Or are you going to wind up being part of the fashion world or is this just the first of what might be many markets for a, a bioflow? I will separate this into three different questions and I'll answer them separately. Question number one, I'm not expecting to be pulled more into the fashion scene. As a CEO of a biomaterials company, I see myself as an engineer and scientist. And this is also my main function. This comes to your second question. Um, there might be an overlap in the future where Biofluff has to be or has to present itself um, more favorable to fashion clients because they are our main clients. So clients do respect, or as far as I've learned in Paris this year, last year, as far as I've learned in Paris last year, fashion clients respect startups, of course, according to their quality and their product, but also according to their appearance. So appearance matters a lot in the fashion industry and the way a startup presents itself and the way we're able to communicate and interact with big brands is hugely and vastly impacted by the way we look as a startup. And your last question, um, I'm... I'm usually only buying secondhand clothing, so I'm not expecting to be a huge fashion Kaiser in a few years down the line, but who knows? Got it. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen next. So you mentioned, um, and that's one of the joys of being in startups, I think. Um, you mentioned having just hired a COO. I'm curious, what were you looking for in that person that you felt would make the company and or you stronger? Uh, so describe your COO. A little bit and how you plan to kind of divvy things uh, up. Mm -hmm. So finding our current CEO was pure luck. I still can't believe we actually have Stephen Austin on board. He is the co-founder of the biggest cotton recycling factory in Northern America. Hmm. So a person with decades of experience in the industry. Um, he speaks fiber. He knows fiber as good as no one, no one else here in in the US, I would say. And well, we met each other on LinkedIn at one point. So many of my connections originate from this particular platform. And I'm I'm a big fan of networking on this particular platform. So finding Steven was about um it was about a three months process to find one who's right. And we interacted then for about 12 to 13 months before we made the step of working together formally as a team. And for a young company, drawing from someone with experience and a big industry network is something I completely underestimated in a positive way. So I was like, well, an experienced person can tell me what to do or they can point me in the right direction. But an experienced person can do much more than that. An experienced person can connect you with the right person who will do exactly what you need. And we're incredibly grateful for having Stephen on board. Yeah, it's great. Congratulations on that. And yeah, agree fervently. We talk a lot about 
startups often talk about we're going to transform everything. Everything is going to be different. Uh, but in truth, uh, before you can change everything, you actually have to belong to what's there. So if you came in and said, we're going to transform fashion and we're ignoring everything that fashion does today. We're ignoring the way it works, the way they buy the fabrics, the way they make the clothes, the way they show the clothes, the way they sell the clothes. None of it matters to us. We're changing everything. You wouldn't change anything. You need to start in the market you're in and from that base begin changing everything. So I think you're right. Actually, having somebody involved who knows a lot about what's going on uh, is incredibly important to getting that initial product market fit because you're fitting in to the market as it is before you can start changing everything and becoming, uh, you know, more and more bold and radical than what you uh, what you present. Yeah, hundred percent, Mike. And Biofluff is taking this even to the next level. Um, we discovered that the fur industry as a industry segment of the textile industry is in free fall. It's a big, big market decline happening for, for years now, from almost 45 billion globally to around 35 billion now um, in 2022. But the interesting part here, Biofluff doesn't want to push anyone out of the market or replace anyone. Our our motivation is to help people produce a better material. And this goes even to the extent that we are working together with very small family-owned tanneries in Spain to co-develop and improve our biofluff process. Tanneries are using animal hides for decades, um, millennia. But if we could just give them a better material, a more environmentally friendly material, a plant-based material, biofluff, right. and they could just do their job in which they are exceptionally good and we can do our job as a startup. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's one of those often things develop historically. So it's hard to imagine the way back when, even in Egypt, whenever somebody said, wow, I'm so excited. I love the idea of having incredibly toxic chemicals that burn my hands and that scar my lungs and I and breathe them and wreck the water all around me. Uh, but that was the only choice they had, uh, that or everything rots. So you really had no choice but to do it, and it becomes locked in historically. Uh, but really, uh, I would guess somebody who's a tanner isn't so much focused on that, but is focused on giving clients great materials. And if they can give clients great materials without that, without having to go through that uh, really rather noxious uh, process, uh, uh, it could be viewed as a, a liberating, a great gift, a, a way to expand what they're doing, uh, uh, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. And this is also the feedback we're getting from tanneries throughout Europe. They are embracing our material with open arms because they do not need to use any toxic chemicals for the biofluff process. Um, our biofluff process is completely um, environmentally friendly. That's how we designed it originally from the from the ground up and tanneries are, are reaching out to us actively to work with us uh, as a partner for their raw material supply. I'm just sort of curious now or at some point in the future and just say, if I'm wrong, Mike, you're wrong, or that's just pie in the sky kind of thing. Can this become deeply personalized? So right now you're making materials sort of like fashion makes materials, but if I wanted at some point 
something that had the soft feel of mink, but the strength of another fabric and the look of a third fabric and, and all of that. Uh, do you imagine that this can get to the point where individual designers or even individual customers can essentially say, here's exactly what I want and get it? Um, that's a good question. And I think it depends on the purchase power of the individual. I just think of 3D printing as a very modern way of individualizing specific parts. It's it's great, but when it comes to um, cost and when it comes to energy resources spent on one single item, then it's just not competitive to standard industry processes. There's a reason why industry developed the way it developed and having bigger batches of material is just more efficient in terms of economies of scale. I know you know that, but I wanted to answer your first question, which is, can you get as Mike an individualized biofluff code? And that's absolutely possible. We're able to fine tune different parameters. We're able to fine tune color, length, density, softness, but also insulation properties. So for example, from Southern California around LA, we're getting very often requests from fashion brands that want a material that looks like animal fur, has the full puff puffiness, um, but it's not warm. So they wanna wear it indoors usually, and people don't wanna sweat in it. So right. this is one of the benefits of Biofluff. We can tailor the material to be as warm as needed. Or not. Yeah, that I can um, imagine that. And, uh, you know, at a certain level, again, in fashion, if I were a Kardashian and you said, I can make it just for you and nobody else can have it, well, I would want it and probably do have the economic power to get it. But then you have that, uh, uh, you know, sort of knockoff uh, 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 opportunity to make it not quite as grand, more broadly. In fact, that happens a lot now, right? Somebody will see an influencer, a star wearing something, Wednesday Adams wearing something, and suddenly there are uh, short black dresses with filigree collars uh, uh, that look kind of gothic, but kind of cool everywhere. And they're <laughs> not that, but they're like that, like all the dance knockoffs are like her, but not quite as intense. And um, this could sort of take the traditional model, which is still limited by what the animal gives you and sort of take that up a notch, which is you're not really limited by yeah. anything. Exactly. Um, our our goal number one is to liberate the animal and take it out of the supply chain without any guilt of replacing them with a, a raw oil or fossil fuel material. But our next step, and that's the long-term vision for Biofluff, is to be a performance material company. Biofibers and plant fibers in particular are incredibly sustainable on scale. So at scale, plant fibers are competing with almost any other raw material we are currently using for fashion and construction. So Biofluff is also envisioning in the future to go into different other market segments such as interior design and automotive where very specific, specific and lightweight fibers will be needed at one point to replace mostly petrol products at the moment. Yeah, makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, really interesting uh, stuff. So folks listening into this are curious, like, when am I going to see it? When am I going to hear about it? When will I know more? What's your sort of time frame for uh, 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 hitting the market, becoming better known? When will 
somebody notable announce in public that I got one of these and it's part of my line? Really good question. Unfortunately, I cannot share too many details because our fashion clients um, reserve the right of announcing a, a launch or a capsule launch for themselves. So we will have to wait until one of our bigger fashion clients is doing the step, but we're expecting it in the first or sec in the second or third quarter of this year to have some announcement, some capsule launch with a European leading fashion brand. Got it. Can't wait to see. So uh, uh, we were fascinated and uh, very impressed when we met you. It's why we invested. It's uh, 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 a company and a product and a team that's doing exactly what we imagined ought to be done if it could be done. And so when we saw it, uh, it was, we bet uh, fashion is going to go to this. Fashion has this big waste problem. Fashion has an environmental problem. Fashion has a suffering problem. Fashion has a whole bunch of problems and yet people want fashion. So if it's possible to give people what they want and begin to take away all these negative factors, we think it's going to happen. And uh, we think you guys have a great shot at it. Can't wait to see uh, what happens next. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. Oh, our pleasure. And so uh, given that you may be uh, changing things later this year, maybe we'll get back together in a year or so and uh, uh, we can talk about what's happened since. Excited to see the updates. Great. Thanks. Stay dry. We're, we're talking during the brief break where it's not pouring rain out here in San Francisco right now. So once it comes back this weekend, stay dry. Thank you, Mike.